probably look for a different chair and and read the reviews that's the big one is read the reviews folks hello and welcome to the elsner show right here on our youtube channel um and on stitcher and all the other podcast things that you can find us at uh pretty soon we'll be over at galactic netcasts once we finish ironing out the little last little bugs we, we keep missing one apparently um but i'm gregor sprague and Corey is off on assignment dealing with a family emergency so he's not here but joining me for the new segment is Beatmaster. beat how you doing woohoo doing great yourself i'm doing pretty good i got a new hat i got a, yeah, and I got new socks and shoes. Just don't get that <laughs> as annoying as R2-D2, please. Well, hey, as we all know, R2-D2 was the most vulgar character in Star Wars. All of his <laughs> lines were bleeped. I saw that somewhere. I so, so <laughs> stole that. So we have, um, keeping with the whole trying a couple different things and seeing what sticks, we have a very news-heavy uh, show this week. And I set it up at first for, you know, because to get Corey's opinions on things and then, you know, we, and all this stuff. And this first news story, we will, be, we will be talking more about it next week. Um, because Corey wanted to talk about it. And this is the news of that. Basically CW did a lot of renewals over, uh, the, the past week. 11. Um, they did 11 renew renewals. Um, including the rookie shows Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Um, now, the Berlantiverse shows, so Legends, Arrow, Flash, um, those Corey will talk more about um, next week because he said specifically he wants to talk about those. Um, but is there a full list? Right? Okay, it's at the bottom. Um, so the full list is uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Jane the Virgin, Oh, excuse me, Flash, iZombie, Arrow, Supernatural, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, The 100, The Vampire Diaries, The Originals, and Rain. I watch personally about half of these shows. Um, yeah. Which I think is poss- what, what a lot of people could say. Um, but you, you actually brought up something about Supernatural that's really, really interesting. And I don't think outside of like live sports... Or, you know, live t- or talk shows, something to happen with the scripted TV show. Yeah, it is the threshold of 250 episodes they pass. Last season, they already mocked Smallville by saying on Twitter, suck on that. <laughs> so that's a friendly rivalry going on because people know each other. So it wasn't really a, a, a war. But just saying that's. Among Us, thinking of the many things they did wrong and right along the way, they kept their uniqueness and their own style together because last time we said we have many ent- supernatural entities working with the police and blah, blah, all the repeats. They never did that. They never fell into that trap, made it their own. And they got what, what they saw. They got very committed fans, people in critics even chime in and give up and say it's it's good as it is. And uh, thanks to the writing and uh, to the acting, which isn't a thing that we are used to from the CW show. Just lately, it came up that we get a higher level of acting. But Supernatural was for a long time 
the it program on the CW for me at least and for some others as well. Yeah. Um and it should be noted that some of the shows um on the CW that got renewed or that they got renewed are not highly rated shows. Um and but it's so I think what happened is the CW pre president Mark uh, Pedowitz and you know the fellow executives weighed out their decisions of okay where like seeing some of the stuff that they have pitched and like okay where could this go into do we feel like it's really strong or could it use some more tweaking or whatnot and then what do we have that's going to be renewed um and all that and they're work and they're working out all the things um and I don't think this is I think there's still a couple more shows to be um to be renewed or or canceled from the CW um and it's it's this is really cool just because of the fact that you know CW a lot of people like you mentioned a lot of people don't look at it for the for the acting or for you know for really it's more genre TV um, like, like a basic cable or like a network sci-fi channel for a lot or it was for a long while or like a teeny like like oh this is we're gonna air shows on here that girls will like um case in point 90210 and melrose place for the short time both those shows were rebooted um but it's quickly become you know a a network for to have really good quality stuff even if it is like um supernatural where it will be serious and one episode and i'm going off of what what you and evan tell me um it like it'll be serious one episode but then it'll be just funny the whole the next and that's something cool that's something that i enjoy in in theory i say that but yeah i don't watch the show <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so and wow, I didn't realize this, but Vampire Diaries will be on eight, its eighth season. Um, but yeah, so th there's all that's coming out next year or starting with this fall. Um, anything else you want to add? Just that they're smart because they say that early that they're going to the renewal so the series can grow and know they can go places and don't have to worry every time on the step. Like this is Legends of Tomorrow's Spurs. Special, especially because there are many open threads and you couldn't bring it down in one season it wouldn't be done right yeah so good on them good on them no yeah and yeah i couldn't say anything better myself so the next story is one that we heard marvel say what two years ago with uh i'm blanking on his name um Fahey, Kevin Feige saying that the origin story is dead. That they're not going to do origin stories anymore. Good reasons. Yeah. And the news came that the Aquaman and Flash movies won't be origin stories. Um, And these are the two movies that will be featured in between the Justice League movies. Um, I think it's rumored that... Uh, Jason Momoa's Aquaman will be in the uh, Batman v Superman movie coming out in two weeks. Um, but my thing about this, though, is I 
don't know if this is such a smart move. Um, and, and they're only saying for these two movies, so it's not like they're pulling a Marvel and saying we're not going to tell any origin stories from now on because they're going to hit a point where they're going to hit the more obscure comic book character like a Booster Gold or um, Hell yeah. Or a Ray Palmer or even a Constantine done fairly Trumper. well. Yeah. Or Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing's another one there. That people are going to be like, wait, who, huh? Who is, what? What's this? You didn't like thing? the previous Swamp Thing movies? Uh, oh, there you are, sir. I don't think I saw the previous Swamp Thing movies. Yeah. But still, it's see, that's my point. If I can make that reference, or if I can make that comment and not realize that they were already movies beforehand. Um, where, and again, with The Flash, like the TV show, we already sort of have his origin story, so we sort of know basically what it's going to be, so we don't need that. With, Hold on. It's Wally West and not Barry Allen. Or did I get that wrong? I think you got it wrong, because I think they're both playing... Barry Allen. I think Ezra Miller is still going to be Barry Allen. If so, sorry for brain fart. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, but the bigger one is Aquaman. Because, for one, this looks like a very different Aquaman than the comics. Um, which is cool because I look at it more as a logical thing of getting Jason Momoa, who, if he's not... If his ancestry is not, you know, Samoan or Pacific Islander, he looks it. And I'm assuming he is with the last name of Momoa. <laughs> um, but especially with the image that they show of him. And I'm like, yeah, he looks like you could see him, you know, uh, like just in Hawaii, like with all the touristy trappy luau things, doing doing fire dances and all that. Um but Aquaman, I don't think is, especially with this more of the stigma he has within nerd culture. I don't know if a lot of people will know his origin story. Like, period. Did they but meet Deadpool though? Deadpool. Well, see, it's a game changer because of yeah. many reasons, and that's one of them. It could open up or give him more confidence into the, the characters if you do it right. And that's the message that Deadpool gives. Do it right. Not do it R, do it this way. Just do it right. But how many people actually got that message when it when it comes to the movie executives? <sighs> the standing ovation executed at Warner Brothers, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean... And, and again, this is probably like two, like two completely different things that just started to happen to be coincidence, but with the news that um the justice league movie or, or batman v superman uh the when it comes out on blu-ray there will be a rated r cut of it um and that's where you'll find jenna malone's character um it sort of said when it came out sort of like eh, no they're getting the wrong message or when you hear about uh the like the third Wolverine movie will be, or they're looking at it more rated R. And I'm like, Devil's Advocate. Zack Snyder has a MO of doing unrated versions or extended versions of his movies on Blu ray. Even Sucker Punch. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, that's where I'm saying, that's where I said, you know, it's more 
it was more coincidental than yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, Deadpool did great. So we, Zach, you got a bunch of extra footage. Well, you know me, I do. All right, cool. Well, shout it from the rooftops. The Batman v Superman DVD will be have an unrated or an R-rated version sort of thing. But the attention span of the movie going public is it great enough to get so many characters in their mind so they can keep up with it, or is it the right approach to say we do it in media rest, so ongoing, not without the origin? Because there's so much learning. They see it in one movie. They know where the place is, and that's enough to the people to re- relate to them. It doesn't need that whole. Let's show the beginning because much many superhero origins are pretty similar to each other. Yeah, if it comes down to it. No, yeah. Um, but I mean, all in all, it does sort of scare me, and um, I will say that it within in our show note or in the description, there's the link to our source, which is sciencefiction.com, which has a link to their source, which is the Wall Street Journal. Um, if you live in America, you may have to find other ways to read that article. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing here to see DC Comics doing right away, you know? Um, the, the next story, um, is that Commissioner Gordon has been cast for Justice League. And I... Part of me is like, no. no. Yeah, the part of me is like that because I, I like it, it's okay. So I'm, I'm we're getting ahead of ourselves. They cast J.K. Simmons, who you know him from Whiplash, uh, where he was phenomenal in that movie. Um, but the uh, some of the other nerd culture people would know him as J. Jonah Jameson in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, um, which he was also great in, and he does the voice for. J. Jonah Jameson in the uh, Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon show, which he's great in. Um, it's now gotten to a point where it's like, forget um, the dude who did the voice for the cart or for the cartoon back in the in like '94. Um, whoever it was, and he was a great Jonah Jameson, J. Jonah Jameson. But no, J.K. Simmons here on out. But he's gonna be Commissioner Gordon, and I'm like, ah, okay, yeah, sure. Um, but can he still be? Can he still be uh, Jay Jonah? <laughs> That's honestly my report, and it's it's he's gonna be in there for the, for the Justice League Part One. We don't know about anything else. Um, I honestly think this is a really good good choice. I mean, if you're gonna do anyone, you know, to be Jay Jonah or to be Commissioner Gordon, I mean, I, I, you 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 can't get. Too much no doubt, better. He delivers. No doubt. Anytime yeah. he's on on the screen, even in things you don't recall him, but if you see it, you say yes. That's that's the person. That's how it's portrayed, not the actor that shines through. But uh, he even said he approved of the love for the character. He said on Twitter on various occasions that he would love to come back as Triple J, and uh, that make it bittersweet. Uh, but so far, they have regained. A good car- uh, actor for a big movie with many, many other characters. So, does it even matter? I don't know how big the role can be for a Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, in this, uh, this situation. And 
the physicality is a little bit different. He's, in my eyes, he isn't that tall and uh, thin. He should be more like a cop size. But that's something that could change, you know, that, you know, because, I mean, you look at a lot of actors and they've gone through, you know, they've beefed up for roles, they've lost weight for roles, and that I could see him doing, you know, I could see J.K. Simmons, um, if that's Zack Snyder's M.O., you know, if that's the, if that's what he wants to have happen, sort of deal is, okay, can you, can you gain, you know, or, or how, do, how do you see the character? And, you know, sit down and talk with JK because, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be like, all right, so I, w- I want you to gain uh, f- 30 pounds of fat. Sort of deal. You know, g- get a good cop gut going. Like, But you cast me for Har- for Commissioner Gordon, not Harvey Dent, or not Har- uh, Harvey Bullock. Yeah. Sort of deal. Um, but, n- so, I mean, I, this is, again, like I said, great casting. Um, The only other person... So here, here's I'll raise you this question: Who would you rather see as Commissioner Gordon, J.K. Simmons or um, Jonathan Banks, who does the voice for Commissioner Gordon in the latest Batman video game? I'm not that committed to the games that I have the sensation it needs to be the same with the animated series from Batman and Superman. So. Yeah. So but that's the- why I mention it is because he's he's. For in Batman Arkham Knight, he is Commissioner Gordon. Does a great his voice is really great for Commissioner Gordon, well, and all that. But the issue is one, uh, the Gary Oldman. He's even a better actor, and he delivered so well in the uh, Dark Knight uh, trilogy. And that's maybe the reason that I have hard time switching in my mind. Same with Triple J, and then again another the same character portrayed by another person. It's like mm-hmm. uh, okay. Yeah, no, I see that. I see that, and it's, but it's because it, it's like that with me with um, the trailer for uh, Batman v Superman with Alfred. I'm like, uh, and I think the dude who's in there is a, you know, a good actor. I th- I think I've heard of him before. I can't can't remember his name right now, but it's like that's not Michael Caine, sort of thing. That's what I had with that. Um. Jeremy Irons. Yeah, Jeremy Irons. That's. See, I knew I heard. That's. You saw the Die Hard 3, didn't you? No, I've only seen the first Die Hard. I'm going to come through that microphone and slap your face left and right. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't see Die Hard 3. Hey, hey. I I didn't see Die Hard until like three, four years ago, okay? Where Glenn's like, hey, you haven't seen Die Hard? You need to watch Die Hard. And actually, he gra- he grabbed the microphone and was like, "You need to watch Die Hard." Sort of deal. Uh, it's uh, yeah. Okay, I have to get over that for a moment. No, <laughs> there isn't this much much more to say because it's one, I think, minor character in minor role. So, which again is a cool thing because here, that's something that I appreciate. Like I mentioned, I think it was what last week or two weeks ago when I when I was talking about uh, the movie Yumi or me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, where mm-hmm. they got Hugh Jackman to come in for one scene sort of thing. And it's not even, like, basically he was filming, you know, insert whatever X-Men movie here. And it's like, oh, hey, can you come over here for and do this voiceover work for, like, three hours? All right, sure, mate. And, you know, my horrible Australian accent. And, 
bust out the thing and are we good? Okay, cool. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go back to lifting weights and being huge jackman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like so it's still it's gonna be a cool thing if that's you know, if it is just oh he's in like three scenes or whatever or, or five when they're shooting, two of them get cut for the rated R extended edition DVD that comes out yeah, after Adds to the roster of people that are Oscar nominators or uh, Oscar winners in one freaking movie, co- comic book movie. So it's mind blowing when you think about that just alone. Yeah. No, yeah. It, that's the other cool part, though, is we're getting a lot of Oscar um, and Emmy award winning actors, uh, probably even writers and producers and directors in. The, in the doing comic book stuff yeah the the writer terrio said itself he goes back to greek mythology and other things to give you gravitas so real meat to the bone not just a superficial thing that sex does or jj abrams has the same thing with the superficial things and uh, Mm -hmm. no no real deaths and i hope they deliver promises are easy to do yeah all right, so that's it for the news, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention right now off the top of the hand that we will soon be, and soon is d- the asterisk of when we feel like the product is good enough, we will be moving over to Galactic Netcast, and I wanted to share with you who Galactic Netcast is a little bit um, for all of you twelve viewers and maybe three listeners on Stitcher, um, because I don't know about the analytics for iTunes. Here's the bad part. We could have a hit on iTunes, and I don't know about it because I, we don't have any analytics. I highly doubt it, but I like to think that. <laughs> um, we are number one in the L's charts. Yes, but but sadly, number hundred in the nerds chart. <laughs> um, but Galactic Netcast is the it's a group of people who love science fiction. Um, whether it be in from in all sorts of areas, whether it be comic books, um, TV, movies, video games, board games, um, you know D and D, you name it. There's a whole bunch of different shows over there. Um, Sci-Fi Geeks Club, um, and even horror, like uh, Corey's show, The Podcast of Terror, with that he does with Matt Stein, um, and what Adventure Party. Um, Alien Invasion, um, oh, the Sci-Fi Survival Guide with um, Daryl Johnston, which is great. It's a great show, and that's a great. Um, Jeff Dubow has a show over there as well um, that he's working on. You got Exploring the X Files. If you like the X Files, there you go. Like they have all the they have the episodes talking about each of the for the uh, this event show that happened what like two months ago they have an episode for each of the shows so go check them out it's gncasts.com that's g-n-c-a-s-t-s.com all right so now is where i'm going to talk about some of the shows and books and comic books and that i've watched over the past week i had to look make sure i wasn't i i didn't talk about or i, I didn't put a movie in there um but no so i'm gonna start right off the bat with um, School of Rock. Now, this is a Nickelodeon TV show um, that will be airing soon 
I believe. I think it might have premiered after the Kids' Choice Awards or something. Um, and this is based off. If the name sounds familiar, that's because it's based off of the movie uh, School of Rock. Um, and I think Mike White, the writer of School of Rock, uh, the movie might have been like a consultant or something on here. Um, and I have some complaints. Um, where it's it's fun, enjoyable show. You know, kids will kids will like it. Um, it seems like the, um, the lead actor who I've never, I don't think I've really heard of him before. Um, he is in, um, he's at times trying to do a Jack Black impression, um, which could be a bad, it could be a bad thing if it continues on beyond the pilot. Um, the first episode is... And the premise of at least the first season is very much the movie School of Rock. Um, with uh, Dewey Finn talking to the principal that he sort of has feelings for. Or it's it's insinuated that they ha- that that he might like her sort of deal. Um, which I don't. I, I think it might be a difference from the movie. Um, but you then have... Um, you, you then have these different, um, oh gosh, what was I going to say? You have these different, um, situations that come up throughout the episode where he's, he's not a teacher. He never claims to be a teacher. And, you know, he's just, he's just a slacker who came into the job and they, the kids figure it out right away as he's teaching them um and beat you're okay you're good and where he's teaching them how to do you know like how to learn it was how to learn sonnets or how to understand sonnets but he used music so i think he had where it ended up being like a hard rock version of one of shakespeare's sonnets which was cool um the other the show has this other interesting thing where it has promise of being a at least a good Nickelodeon show you know like the next iCarly or Drake and Josh or Amanda show or you know whatever the older the the good older shows that Nickelodeon or that Nickelodeon had um and that's with the music surprisingly because I think a lot of the kids play the instruments that they're cast for um they have um, some of the characters, some of the kids were like straight up same, like same character from the, from the movie. Um, the Freddy character is that way. Um, oh yeah. And that's the other thing. Um, Richard Linklater, who, um, it, he's a producer on the, sh- he's an executive producer on the show, which I saw that. I'm like, that's cool. I didn't. Which I think he was a producer on the movie as well, if I remember, if I th- remember correctly. Um, oh, oh yeah, he directed it. Okay, that makes even more sense. Thank you, Beatmaster. The ever see if if I actually did the source material links, I could actually like ha- like ha- know all these things, but I don't because it all comes off the top of my head. Um, but no, and it was it has promise. I think the 
one of the few upcoming episodes is going to feature Pete Wentz from Fallout Boy. Um, so you might see that happen a little bit more frequently with, uh, you know, oh, here they're going to do this song or that song and actually, and actually do granted more like kids bop versions, but you know, do versions of popular songs from, from now, which was it, which is cool and interesting. Um, the next show, or actually, no, the next book, this is a book report I'm doing right now, um, is the book Armada by Ernest Klein. Um, I listened to the audiobook. I have a physical copy, but I listened to the audiobook because you can get, generally, I can get through those a lot quicker. Um, and I, I don't do any speeding up. It's just, I like, it works easier that way because I can do something else while listening to the book. Um, this, as Beatmaster pointed out to me, was optioned for a movie before, I think before it was even published. Um, and the, um, this is the, it's not necessarily a sequel, but it was, it's, Ernest Klein has done a, had did a book, done a book before this, before called Ready Player One, and this is the, his next book. Um, and it's, I got worried when, when I started reading the book because I'm like, this is the same plot to Ready Player One, or at least this is the same, big, a lot of similarities to Ready Player One, which had me worried at first. And then I got in, into the movie or into the book and I'm like, all right, they're gone. Um, this is a great book. Throughout the whole book, I read I read it as a, or I, I read it and I visualized the movie. You know, I saw these I saw these action scenes, these great action scenes. Um, this movie I believe would actually probably be easier to make than Ready Player One is because of the fact that there's where there are references to different things. Um, and the last track is, or the last chapter on the audio, on the audible book is the, uh, the main character's dad's, uh, mixtape, uh, his raid, the arcade mixtape. And I'm sitting there going, all right, that's a great song. That's a great song. Nice. Um, and they mentioned the music all throughout the thing. So the music is going to be the key and probably the, the biggest challenge for when it becomes a movie. Um, but you follow the main character of Zach Lightman as he slowly realizes, or well, actually you, you come in on him one day and he sees a UFO in the sky and he realizes that it looks exactly like the, one of the ships from his favorite video game called Armada. Um, and he later learns that, um, as the hilarity ensues to steal the line from Dan Trachtenberg, director of 10 Cloverfield Lane, by the way. Um, he gets abducted into, or well, I say abducted, but it's more recruited into the Earth Defense Alliance to protect against the alien invasion that's going to be happening, which is this plot from this from the game that he's playing because they were using that game to train the, the people of Earth, the gamers of Earth. 
Um, it's a really interesting concept and a lot something that's not that far off with how technology is coming nowadays with the whole with all the drones that we have. Like it's like a lot of the people who are drone operators are using like Xbox controllers or or PlayStation controllers, and I'm like, wait, I could be a soldier then because like I have a good Xbox controller and boom, done. Um, and it's set like I believe it's set like three years into the future, like two or three years in the future. So it's like the near, like the very near future. But you know, you could tweak it to go further or further forward. Um, and this book is really great. And there's moments in here that will almost brought me to tears um, from from listening to the climax of uh, the book's broken up into three phases it's all the same book but it's like phase one uh phase two phase three and just hearing hearing the the book and do, done by will weed which i'll tell you right now there's one part where the you can much like minecraft and other video games you can mod the armada video game in here so one of the things that Zach, the zach lightman character did was put in the uh the Paul Rubens robot voice from uh the last starfighter i believe as his uh computer uh ai um and so you hear will wheaton do his best paul rubens impression which is hilarious i was listening to that part while in work because i'm like hey you care if i play music or you know listen to stuff on my headphones right now since i'm stocking she's like oh go for it so I'm like, all right, cool. Start busting up laughing. I'm like, okay, I gotta tell you what this whole thing is. I just heard Will Wheaton do do a Pee Wee Herman impression, and it was hilarious. <laughs> um, there is one because I mentioned it was it's gonna be optioned for a movie, and there is one challenge I see with it. And me and Beatmaster were talking about this before the show, and that is the fact that the book relies for the first act it relies very heavily on the fact that zach lightman looks like his dad and i don't mean like oh i can see oh he's got his daddy's eyes it's like he's mini me like it's his his dad's clone in a ways these are taken except for the mini me part these are taken out of the book um it brings grief to his his mom because they lose their dad or they lose him, his dad, when he's barely born, like he's, I think, maybe nine months old, and then his dad dies, um, and so he's, he's had to deal with his whole life hearing about the fact that, oh, you look just like your father, you look just like your father, and just see the pain in his mom because he looks like the love of her life, sort of deal. Um... So that's one thing that would be is going to be really challenging for Hollywood with doing this movie, because I don't necessarily think it's something that you could skip over, either. Like I don't think you could do, a, oh well, they sort of look alike. Um, here, cast these guys, or even digitally age or digitally youth make younger um, an actor like they did with Tron and the or the the Tron Legacy and. <laughs> yeah yeah that's true and B, B is calling me out it's like that's what every book reader says ever and it's true but 
like the description of people is one thing in my opinion like oh like when they describe um in game of thrones when they describe Tyrion's scar like i'm going off of what brian brushwood said uh from game that it's like okay he's missing his nose sort of thing that's one thing but to say to to be a big part of the first act the fact that he looks like his dad i think you have to have someone who looks at least could be it could be passable that he looks like his dad sort of thing um sort of deal but ready player one is available right now you can find it on audible we will have a link to the book in our show notes um on the amazon store the next thing i'm gonna talk about is excuse me uh two things actually um and they're comic books because i haven't talked about comic books in a while um and i mean actually the actual comic books um the first one is it's gonna be really quick because it's only one issue and that's uh black widow number one this came out two weeks ago and it's written by mark wade and chris samney with chris samney also doing the art and this first issue was very poetic i love this book i'm a big fan of mark wade's writing to begin with because he's given with every character he writes with every prop like book he writes he brings something new to it especially characters that are well established like superman like archie comics and he still makes it feel fresh and plus the man knows his stuff when it comes to comic comic book history but with this story it really felt poetic because there's a lot of action scenes it's a lot of fight scenes um you could almost look at it like storyboarding for a tv show um and you hear um oh and also this is sort of a little bit on the whole marvel post secret wars the recent one not the original secret wars thing that's happening where they went forward eight months into the since secret wars ended they went they went forward eight months which is a great thing to happen because it gives mystery to these characters um and same thing with black widow like why is she stealing from the from shield sort of deal and the cool part with that is i'm pretty sure we're going to find out why but also she only says two words throughout the whole book and it's at the very end and i'm realizing like they're talking to her and she's not answering what's going on and then it's like oh hey all right i'm in next issue please um sort of deal and it's really good i really enjoyed that book i highly highly recommend it um you can check it out on on comiXology or go to your local comic book shop in fact actually just go to your local comic book shop and pick it up and the other book i want to mention is uh the invincible iron man book done by brian michael bendis and with art done by mike uh diodato i'm probably mispronouncing his last name and this is the first seven issues and we see an interesting thing happen here we see tony stark making a new friend eh, in a way and that's dr doom um dr doom is very very much in in this first arc in fact it looks like he's going to be in the uh brian michael bendis's other iron man book 
called International Iron Man, which I thought was going to replace Invincible, but just adding to it, I guess. Um, and it's an interesting concept here because we get him uh, doing things with mad, getting Tony Stark getting more involved with magic um, as he's. Uh, this first story arc is involving um, Whitney Frost, uh, you know, aka Madame Mask, um, who was just on Agents of, or Agent Carter, um, and also features Pepper or not Pepper Potts. Well, it does feature Pepper Potts, but it features Mary Jane Watson, um, which is a cool thing to see because it's. You know, it's like, hey, let's substitute one feisty redhead with another with another feistier redhead, sort of thing, and it's a cool thing to see. Um, there, the first seven issues are out on this. Again, go to the comic book store, pick them up, check them out. Um, again, I do recommend it. I haven't talked too much about it because there's not, um, because the last issue, issue seven, came out and it's still set up stuff which I sort of makes me wonder why I thought okay they're not doing they're not doing the book anymore but there's a spot in there that I really loved where they're talking about Spider-Man and how him and Peter Parker well and he don't know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man but how Spider-Man's doing a better version or Peter Parker's doing his job better uh, doing Tony Stark's job better which is a great comment to see in the book to tie in with the other Mar- to the rest of the Marvel Universe. Um, but again, that's Invincible Iron Man issues 1 through 7. And I'm going to take a drink real quick. Which will be edited out. Um, and finally, the last show I'm going to talk about is Cuckoo. This is a BBC3 original. Or is where it originally aired. But this is a, a Netflix original over here in the States. And I use the air quotes around Netflix because of the fact that it's an original, but it's not. Um, I have nothing to respond to that there, Beat. Uh, Beatmaster calling me the Marco Rubio of Else Nerds. <laughs> but you have Cuckoo, which stars the first season. Oh, because of the drinking. Um, the first season or series, as they refer to it over in the UK, uh, stars Andy Samberg. Um, and then the second and third season stars Taylor Lautner. And it's, the way I would describe it for people is it's like one part the odd couple, um, and then another part British sitcom or British TV show like, uh, like Fresh Meat or Peep Show or, or, you know, like, like a show like that, um, you know, show that airs over in England. Um, and it's wonderful show where you have Greg Davies who's a talented talented comedian in his own right basically playing the straight man in a lot of things and a lot of these things here um playing the dad of this girl who the pilot comes home from Thailand married to a American um I don't want to call him a hippie but like one of those nature like peace man uh people where he's like all super nature like if if he was in America he would he would work at a co-op um you know bike everywhere even though he lives in New York and it, and there's it, they have winter 
sort of thing. Like, that's very much the character he plays. Um, and it's really funny. And it's one of these characters that you you have moments where you you forget that it's Andy Samberg. You forget that, you know, because he's not playing the exact type of character he plays on Brooklyn Nine-Nine or any of the SNL sketches over here. And I'm still, I'm only on, I'm two-thirds of the way through the first season because I believe there's only six episodes because, again, it's England. They do shorter seasons. Um, So I'm, I'm, I just finished episode four, which was hilarious. It was, uh, they visited the wife's, uh, Greg Davis's wife's uh, father, who had just lost his wife and all this. And uh, Cuckoo convinces them them that the cat is really his uh, is really his wife reincarnated um and then up until greg shoots the cat with the gun with with the the, the granddad's gun that he had used in the korean war and all this and it's just so it's so clever there's a lot of wit there to it um I highly recommend it. Um, you can find it on Netflix. Um, but yeah, so that's all I got. Um, and I told Beat about 45 minutes. I was about dead on too. Um, so you can find more about us by checking out our webpage at elsnerds.com. Um, and you can find us on Twitter. We're at elsnerds. Um, you can send us mail, mail at elsnerds.com. Um, which I encourage, you know, email us if you're a hater, whatever, hate on, I'll read it. Um, if you got praises, praise away. Um, and you can find our full archives over at watch.elsners.com. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.elsners.com. And I'm going to mention one other thing about the Galactic Netcast that I failed to mention. And that's that they have a Patreon page. Now it's not, you know, so that they can make money and, um, and you know, it like, exist on you know you know solely just that as their income no it's more to help keep the ship afloat to help because they're they're moving away from archive.org um and and a lot of the other services cost money and all this or you know you got you know the costs of having just having the domain name gncast.com and and all these services there. So they set up a Patreon page. You can do as much or as little as a dollar a month. That's a quarter a week, folks, to support the shows, especially if you love the shows. And there's perks in there, like you can get newsletters, including once we get over there, newsletters from us about the things that we talk about. Um, and then extra content at, at another level where you want to hear us chat more. Well, hey, there you go. Um, but it's all over at Patreon and you can find that over at GNCast.com and we will be back hopefully next Monday. Um, again, work schedule things, you know, get in the way. Um, but we record just about every Monday night at 9 30 PM Eastern, 6 30 PM Western, um, 2 30. Oh, actually, no way. I don't think it's 2 30 anymore. Um, now that the whole time change thing happened because of daylight savings time, which sucks, but you could probably figure it out from the rest of the world based on the whole 6.30 p.m. Western, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, and the last thing to say is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.